Welcome to another episode of Whatever We're Calling This, the podcast of comparative literature and cultural study at the University of Arkansas. Today, we invited Dr. Raquel Castro to talk about service learning and sin limites. Dr. Castro is an assistant professor at the University of Arkansas. She holds a bachelor from John Brown University, a master from the University of Arkansas, and of course, a PhD in comparative literature and cultural studies from the University of Arkansas. Thank you, Dr. Castro, for accepting the invitation to the podcast, uh, whatever we're calling this. Uh, Dr. Castro, uh, the first question uh, I would like to start this episode with is, uh, what do you do after finishing your PhD? Well, thank you, Guillermo, for inviting us. Um, after finishing my PhD, um, there was an opportunity to apply for a teaching assistant professor uh, at the University of Arkansas. So I went ahead and, and applied and went through the process and got um, the job. So yeah, I started working as a teaching assistant professor at the University of Arkansas, focusing mainly on service learning classes and Spanish for the professions. Okay, service learning. Great. Now, Dr. Castro, in our previous episode, Dr. Martinez mentions uh, a lot the importance of service uh, for graduate students when they are looking for jobs and for teaching uh, position opportunities. So I am aware that you are working with uh, Sin Limites. So can you tell us a little bit uh, when Sin Limites start and what are you doing in Sin Limites? Yes, well, part of one of the classes that we teach at the University of Arkansas, we have a program that's called Sin Limites. The class in itself, it's called uh, Latino Youth by Literacy Project. And this uh, all started as a collaboration between the World Languages Department and the Oficina Latina of the University of Arkansas and the Latino Youth Biliteracy class. And so during the class, we talk about bilingualism, linguistic rights, and, and being Latino in the United States and being bilingual, and all the theory and equity and, and things that go along with that education for the Latinos in the States. Um, and then my students, as part of the class, they work service uh, in a service opportunity, which is called Sin Limites. This was uh, founded in 2011. And what we do is we work at elementary schools, mainly within the Springdale School District. And what my students from the university do is they, they go uh, after school, like it's an after school program, enrichment program. So they go and they work with the kids and play with the kids. And mainly it's focusing on um, fostering the development of, of language, of, of the Spanish language within the school. So we know that the kids in, in elementary schools in Arkansas are not getting uh, the opportunity to speak Spanish or to learn Spanish. And the Sin Limites project is focused on Latino students. So we're talking about kids whose parents um, speak Spanish. Maybe they were brought up speaking Spanish at home, but once they start the schooling um, process, that once they get in, into the elementary schools, they start losing that language little by little. And what we want to do is to provide a space for these kids to be able to keep their Spanish going, to be able to feel that it's okay to be bilingual. It's actually more than okay, it's, it's awesome to be bilingual. 
and for these, these kids to be empowered and encouraged to keep that heritage language and that relationship um, with their culture, their language, their parents, their grandparents. And um, so that's what we do. And we do that by having games, having um, reading time. And our focus is these kids are learning in their, um, sometimes they're speaking Spanish within their house uh, realm. So they know the words about like the house, food, family, but we wanna bring more of a curriculum that's um, aimed at academic uh, knowledge and maybe some more vocabulary that they don't, they don't work um, because they don't speak in, I mean, Spanish at, at the schools. So yeah, we're, we're trying to do this semester, for example, we're working on our planet, well, my planet, our future, and we're talking about science and nature, ecosystems and biomes and things like that, that uh, they, they're doing in English. And so we want to provide also a space for them to, to learn these things in Spanish and to keep that. Plus the fact that these university students are spending time with them, it feels, it makes them feel important and they're having like a mentor. And also to be able to see, for example, um, right now we are working, we have uh, Caroline Judy and Naomi Gonzalez and both of them are students in the Sin Limites, uh, in the bioliteracy class and working with the Sin Limites program. And we have Naomi who is a heritage speaker and we have Caroline who is a, a non-Hispanic student. So when we bring a Latina university student to the elementary school and the kids are able to see, wow, I can go to university. I, I, I look like her, she speaks Spanish, she's bilingual and, and I can go to the university because she can do it. And so that mentoring, that being able to see themselves represented, it's a big deal, even if we don't really realize it at the moment. And then Caroline, it's like, on the other hand, a non-Hispanic. And when the kids see a non-Hispanic um, Americans, university student who is bilingual and who's able to talk to them in, in, in Spanish fluently and everything. And so they're, they're encouraged to value what they have and they see, oh, okay, it's okay to be bilingual. Some other people that may not have this as part of their heritage are learning my language. So why I might as well just keep it and try to, to keep that going. So I think that's part of what we've been doing um, in a nutshell. So I'm gonna let Caroline and Naomi. Thank you, Dr. Castro for give us all this information, this background information that of course introduced the program of Sin Limites, but also introduced uh, Naomi and Caroline. Okay, Caroline, because you are the first one on my screen, you are gonna be the first one who, who is going to answer uh, the beautiful questions I have for you. The first one, uh, Caroline, is, okay, why did you choose Spanish as uh, your major or minor? I don't know what your case is. Yes, so I actually am an accounting major, a business major, um, and honestly, I chose Spanish just because I had studied it a lot in high school. I really liked it had a bunch of credits coming into the university to about three classes to get a minor. And I was like, this is perfect, might as well. And then once I actually got into those classes, I was like, wait, this is something I'm really passionate about. 
why not pursue it? So I upgraded it to a major. That way I get to um, dive a little deeper into that during my college career. Well, that's great, Caroline. That, that's, that's a great idea. Now, Naomi, your case, why did you choose Spanish as your major or minor? Uh, well, my, my major is Spanish education to become a teacher. And before uh, choosing this major, I was going to be a uh, elementary teacher, but I decided to change it to Spanish because I have so many great Spanish teachers along the way, and I wanted to become one like them. And that makes sense, Naomi, because we're following role models, and I agree with you with that particular part. Now, the next one, uh, Caroline, um, why did you decide to enroll in Dr. Castro's class? I know that you're looking for credits, but there was something on the name or something else, or did you hear something before about the class? Yes, yeah, so I actually had Dr. Castro for um, my business Spanish class last year, and I really liked, obviously, Dr. Castro's teaching. She's wonderful. But also the service learning aspect was something that I really didn't realize I had been missing until I had it in that class. And it's something I wish I had more access to in my business curriculum. But when I was able to choose an elective for Spanish and I saw there was another service learning opportunity, I jumped at the chance to give back more and have that built into part of the classroom. Great. Uh, Naomi, what about you? Uh, I had um, Professor Castro class on translation uh, on the other semester. So we also did kind of like a, not service learning. Well, it was service learning, but um, it was more on our own. And then she told me that she was also doing this uh, Sin Limites project. And I wanted to join in as well because as a uh, education major, I wanted to have more experience with children and I love working with them. And I also wanted to do something Spanish to help the students. Oh, uh, thank you, Naomi. Now it looks like, uh, based on what both of you said, uh, it looks like uh, Dr. Castro inspired you to, to enroll in this class and make uh, more for the community. Now, making that connection with inspiration, uh, I would like to ask all of you, Dr. Castro, then uh, later uh, Caroline, and then later, of course, Naomi, is there any inspiring or funny story about these kids that maybe you would like to share with us today? Let's start with Dr. Castro. Yes, um, I actually tell this to my students. It's actually from my university students. I had this very nice and smart university student a few years back and um, she was taking actually this class. She took this class later on, but um, I went to leave my daughter in kindergarten at the elementary school. And when I went to leave her at the door, I just recognized the teacher and she was the, my previous um, student. So my previous student was about to teach my kid um, in elementary school and that felt really well it, it felt me it, it made it actually made me feel old first <laughs> because that <laughs> means that my students now are teachers and they're teaching my kids but um but it also made me feel really good because she was a Latina 
and she knew all about what we had talked in class and she was going to be teaching my daughter. And so I really appreciated that. And I was actually about to cry when I saw her. I'm like, oh, <laughs> um, but it, that was great. And then from the kids that we work with, it's really inspiring to see the process. You know, at the beginning, sometimes we had a kid back in, back in the day that at the beginning he said he didn't speak any Spanish. At the end of the semester, he was actually speaking it. And I don't think it was a matter of knowledge. It was a matter of being um, shame. Like it, he he was a little he had a little bit of shame about the language, and he felt like he didn't know it well enough, or because he had been told, you know, that we're we're supposed to be speaking English for some reason. Sometimes we have to, we as Latinos feel like we have to choose either or, but there we can be both. We can actually have both languages in our daily lives and. And this kid was able to realize that. And by the end of the semester, he was speaking a little bit of Spanish, more, um, uh, well, a little bit more of Spanish. I mean, he, he knew it, but it was just a matter of getting it out there and being confident enough to, to share it with the world. <laughs> Thank you for sharing, Dr. Castro. Uh, Caroline. Yeah, along those same lines, I think the kids are definitely still warming up. We've only been there for few weeks now so they're definitely getting into the swing of things but there definitely were a few at the beginning that were very adamant that they oh I can't understand what you're saying or I have I have no clue what you're saying and then as soon as I started talking about football oh they knew exactly what I was talking about and wanted to share and wanted to talk about you know all the people they're passionate about so it's really been wonderful to kind of tap into those interests not just within like making connections with them, but also tapping in and finding, you know, those reasons of why do you want to speak Spanish or what kind of things will inspire you to start communicating in Spanish. And I think also just normalizing that it is okay to make mistakes. A lot of them are a little hesitant to speak Spanish or especially to write it because it's not something they've had a lot of experience with. And, you know, we all make mistakes, especially me, I'm still learning Spanish. So getting in there and having the opportunity to talk to them and make mistakes in front of them and fix them and learn together. Um, I think it really helps set them at ease and they know, okay, well, she's still trying, you know, she messed up. No, and, and you are right, Caroline. Uh, but then everyone makes mistakes in my case, just by recording this, pronouncing things in a language that is not my native language. And like uh, sometimes when my kids, uh, they listen to the episode, they said, hey, papi, you're supposed to pronounce this like this, like that. No, you, you sound like a very foreign person. So uh, I just show them that even though that is not my native language, that at least I, I attempt to try to communicate, to convey ideas and, to, and also to show people what the University of Arkansas is doing for the community. So thank you for sharing, Caroline. Uh, Naomi, your case. Well, um. One of the things that I like to see on students is that they feel more comfortable using Spanish and expressing themselves in Spanish as well, because sometimes they are during the school, they are all in this English mode where they might not even think of Spanish and they go to their houses and speak Spanish maybe or not. But in with the programs in Limites, we are giving them the chance to be free and, and try to 
uh, speaking Spanish, express themselves, and and also help their classmates to be more comfortable with their Spanish. So, uh, and also like sometimes you need to reassure them and empower them, making sure that they know that Spanish is good and that they can, like Caroline said, make mistakes and that's all right using Spanglish or any other uh, expressions. So it's, it's really nice to see these students. I also had a young girl she was like kind of um shy about her work or what she was doing and she was like no I'm not good enough or I didn't do well so we're just trying to let them know that it's okay and that they they can do more and that whatever they're doing it's fine it's just like trying to get into this language again well thank you for sharing Naomi now, uh, because of course we're celebrating the Latin X uh, Heritage Month, now we're going to switch a little bit uh, in español. Y les tengo una pregunta sorpresa. Eh, en este caso, vamos a cambiar el orden. Primero va a contestar Naomi, luego Caroline, y por último, Dr. Castro, para que tenga tiempo de responder esta pregunta difícil de examen. Eh, quiero que piensen en una palabra en español que les traiga un buen recuerdo o que les parezca graciosa. Hay miles posibilidades. Yo comienzo para darle a cada una de ustedes un tiempo para dar la respuesta. En mi caso, y, y la apliqué el día de ayer, en, en Barranquilla, en Colombia, tenemos una expresión que es dar sopa y seco. Sopa, obviamente, sopa. Y seco significa, bueno, lo, 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 lo que va completo, por lo menos como que, que vas arroz, carne, o sea, todo el plato completo en un almuerzo. Sopa y seco es todo ese grupo de palabras. Pero cuando tú dices dar sopa y seco, es que alguien, en este caso le estábamos hablando en un equipo de fútbol, eh, el otro equipo destrozó, a, bueno, en este caso en particular el el Manchester United destrozó al otro equipo, entonces le dije a mis hijos, no, mira, el Manchester United dio sopa y seco, y entonces mis hijos se quedaron como medio loquitos, ¿qué qué? Pero si ellos no están comiendo, ellos están jugando fútbol, papi. Yo les dije, no, no, mira, entonces les expliqué que dar sopa y seco eh, significa destrozar a un oponente o, o ser mejor que la, la otra persona. Entonces es una, una expresión que ahora recuerdo que me... Que me, que me trae mu muchas alegrías porque le estoy explicando a mis hijos el, el significado del fútbol y el, y el poder que tiene el fútbol en, en mi vida. Y entonces, eh, ¿tienen alguna palabra específica? Mm, creo que una palabra, no estoy segura bien ahorita, pero este, creo que chocolate, abuelita, es, mm, no es una palabra tal cual o una frase así, pero es un objeto porque me trae muchos recuerdos porque... Lo cocinaba mucho con mi mamá, lo cocinamos ahora con mis hermanos y es una traducción hacer chocolate abuelita durante el mes de noviembre cuando celebramos el Día de Muertos. Lo acompañamos también con el pan de muerto tradicional de México que está hecho de, de naranja, tiene ese sabor de naranja y este, lo podemos compartir con toda la familia. También lo hacemos durante el Día de Reyes Magos para partir la rosca. Ok. La lo que hacemos, hacer chocolate abuelita. Entonces, creo que esa es mi palabra, chocolate abuelita. 
No, no, perfecto. Naomi, pregunta, entonces, ¿la marca del chocolate es Abuelita? ¿Por eso se llama Chocolate Abuelita? Sí, uh, creo que esa es la marca, ajá, Chocolate Abuelita. Ok, también, ok, de hecho, bueno. También existe Dime. otro que se, se llama Chocolate Abuelito, parece. <risa> la competencia a Chocolate Abuelita. <risa> sí. Bueno. bueno, muchas gracias, Naomi. Vamos con Caroline. Pues yo no tengo una frase así, pero es que, como dije, con hacer errores, yo cuando estaba aprendiendo el español siempre me estaba confundida entre ombligo y hongo. Y cuando trabajaba en una taquería, um, yo dije, un taco con ombligos, y eso no va bien. No, y qué bueno, eh, muy, muy curioso el, el recuerdo, y no, gra gracias por compartir, Caroline. Uh, Raquel. Caroline, entonces... Ese taco funcionaría si fuera taco de tripa, porque va con ombligo. <risa> Para mí, una palabra que me gusta mucho es pura vida. Y la frase pura vida es porque, como yo soy de Costa Rica, en Costa Rica decimos eso para muchas cosas. Entonces, si le preguntan a uno, ay, ¿cómo estás? Pura vida. O si alguien te cayó muy bien, uno puede decir, ay, es que esa persona sí que es pura vida. Y entonces esa frase significa pure life o... Y es como que enmarca un poco el, el, la forma de pensar de, de los ticos. Entonces, ahora con mis hijos salió una canción recientemente con la independencia, la celebración de la independencia, salió una canción que decía Pura Vida, se, se trata de Pura Vida y lo pasan cantando mis hijos y me hace sentir bien porque tienen esa conexión con mi país, eh, que también ellos tienen eh, esa conexión con la, con la herencia, aunque nacieron acá. Sí. Eh, do, do, doctora Castro pregunta, pero entonces pura vida lo puede usar hasta para despedirme, o sea, si nos despedimos decimos pura vida o solamente para decir, bueno, esta persona es pura vida o qué, sí. qué situación tan pura vida o cómo funcionaría en ese caso. También podemos decir pura vida y nos despedimos así, pura vida oh. y ya te vas. Ajá. Ok, perfecto. Bueno, no, y nos, nos sirve para... Terminar el episodio, eh, bueno, muchas gracias a la doctora Castro, a Naomi, a Caroline por haber participado en el episodio del día de hoy y no sé si alguna quiera mencionar algo antes de terminar este episodio. Pura vida. Pura vida. <risa> well, it looks like the episode is over. Thank you to the program of comparative literature. Thank you to Dr. Castro, Naomi, and Caroline for accepting the invitation. And I hope you join us next time in another episode of whatever we're calling this. Nos vemos.